And, all right, cool. Now today, um, uh, today I'm going to share with you guys on what Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Okay, he, shared, he said, I am the good shepherd. Uh, and, and today's almost like a companion piece to the one that I shared two weeks ago on I am the gate of the sheep. As you will know, Jesus says, makes both of these I am statements in John chapter 10. And when he says it in John chapter 10, the dividing line between uh, 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 the first metaphor of Jesus, meaning I am the gate and the second metaphor i'm the shepherd is so razor thin it's so razor thin and you can almost see that some of the metaphors all a little bit overlap okay because in both the sheep in both got shepherd in both got a threat coming at the sheep you know um so so we're gonna get into this but let me pray first okay let me pray first father truly lord god you are the good shepherd truly you are the shepherd of the sheep truly you own a cattle of a thousand fields truly lord god you are the good and great high priest you became the lamb that was slain you became the lamb that was slaughtered on the cross for our sake lord god so father we thank you for the richness for the depth of who Jesus is to us. And I pray that as your word is being preached today, that our, that you will increase. You will increase beyond every other thing in our lives. That you will increase beyond the hopes we have. You will increase beyond the worldly hopes we have, beyond the personal uh, 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 strengths that we have, beyond anything else. And that we may decrease so that you will be all we see lord jesus we want to see you as resplendent and beautiful and mighty today in jesus name we pray amen amen church you know what as we get into this i don't want today to just be another sunday even though in many respects it might be another sunday for you you know for all of us who are serving it's important for us to remember that we didn't just show up because we are on a roster. We didn't just show up because we are on duty. We didn't show up because church still has to run. No, no and no, right? Let us remember that we showed up today to worship Him, to worship Him. You know, I've been thinking about how, um, I've been thinking about this word worship. And, and, and I've been thinking about it in terms of the word love. You know how when you talk about um, a couple, right? Let's say you've got boyfriend, girlfriend, or let's say you've got husband and wife, right? Um, and, and you might say that, wow, he really loves her. And that's okay, right? If you say that, uh, about a husband, wow, of his wife, he really loves her, that's okay. But if you were to say that, man... He really loves her. I think he worships her. How do you feel about that? It's like, uh, uh, I can see some of your faces start to cringe, right? Because immediately there is a sense that, dude, you're taking it too far, right? So, so there is a sense that worship is not just loving someone. To worship someone is to, is to love them with such a completeness, such, a, such an ex 
it's like an exaggerated kind of love, right? It's kind of like uh, um, with an abandon that is it, that doesn't make sense. It, it, it's kind of with uh, elevating them uh, uh, on a on a in a place where only uh, um, God can be, and so that that's what we think of when we say that we look upon Jesus. And our response to him is that we love him. It's not just love. We really worship him. Like, if now replace the words, right? Wow, I know this woman, she really loves Jesus. In fact, she worships him. Huh. Now it makes sense, right? For me, now it makes sense because, because I want to be borderline obsessive with Jesus. I really want to love him and worship him and, and give my all uh, to him. And I tell you why. I tell you why. One of the reasons is because of John 10, uh, um, where he says, I am the good shepherd. He loves us so much. And the only response we can have back for him is to give our best to him. But I won't give away the ending. Okay, the ending is, he's our good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. That's the ending. No, I'm kidding. Let's, let me give you a bit of context, okay? So the reason why Jesus comes and says, I am the good shepherd, is that some 500, 600 years prior, 500-ish, okay? 500-ish years prior, maybe, um, Jesus uh, 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 was not on the earth yet. But a man called Ezekiel was on the earth, right? And Ezekiel was scolding the shepherds of Israel. That is the religious teachers of Israel. I don't believe that at the time they were called Pharisees. I don't, I know, I'm quite sure that at that time there was no concept of the Sadducees and, the, and, and, and all those kind of like teachers who are also religious leaders and political kind of like affiliations and all that. That did not happened during the time of Ezekiel. But the shepherds of Israel were the religious leaders nonetheless, the priestly uh, 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 types, the teachers and all that. And I want to show you Ezekiel 34. Because in Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel, or rather God, is giving the shepherds of Israel a big walloping and a big scolding, you know, through the prophet Ezekiel. So if broadcast, can we just have uh, uh, the next slide? That's right, right? Because in Ezekiel 34, the shepherds of Israel are being scolded for being harsh and forceful. You lead the people with harshness and with force, right? You profit from them. How do we know they profit from them? Because they take all the fat, right? They take all the fat, the ones that are not, the things they are not supposed to take. By the way, the fat is supposed to give to God, right? But they took the fat, right? So they actually profit from the sheep. The ones that they like, they take, they exploit, right? They take the best out of them until they die, right? And then they discard them as by the wayside. The ones that they don't like, they fail and neglect to feed that sheep. And then they starve the sheep that they don't like. They exploit the sheep that they like. Along the way, they just take everything, sapu for themselves, 
and they led them with fear, they led them by intimidation, they led them by patronizing over them, telling them that you can't do this, you're not good enough, you're not like all of us, we are the holy ones, you better follow, if not you will die, blah, 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 right? And that was the atmosphere during Ezekiel 34. Next slide. So many things, I want to show you this. Now, Ezekiel 34 is a passage we will come back to later this year. Because later this year, we are doing a series on end times Ezekiel. Chapters 33, if I'm not sure, if I'm not mistaken, 33 or 34, all the way through to the end of Ezekiel. Um, I hope that it will be a really powerful time during the 40 days, uh, a time we'll be going through end times Ezekiel, something that we can pray along with. It becomes a companion piece um, to the end, time, end times narrative that, that Pastor Chiu is sharing in the main church as well. But so, so we'll get back to Ezekiel 34 and we'll do a deep dive into that um, in, I believe, in, in July, okay? But for now, we know that they were scolded. They said, the weak you have not strengthened. The sick are not healed. The injured are not bound up. The straight are not brought back. And the lost you have not sought. This is the context. And then Jesus says... I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. Wow. So if you go back one slide, Jesus goes on to say in Ezekiel 30, or God goes on to say, right, in Ezekiel 34, the weak I will strengthen, the sick I will heal, the injured I will bound, bind up, the straight I will go and find and bring back, and the lost I will seek, right? And so this is the heart of God, that the sheep be cared for. He says, I myself will shepherd the sheep, right? Broadcast one more time. Yes, that's right. I myself will shepherd the, shepherd the sheep. Now, I know for all of you who worked before, it doesn't matter whether you work at, it was like your first job, your entry-level job, you were a waiter or something, or whether it is a super, super high job, you know, the moment your boss says, uh, yeah, so hard to do, is it? I will do it myself. Friends, I think you know you're in trouble. <laughs> right? When your boss gives you something to do, and then so so sad for you to do, and your boss comes in and he says, or she says, Look, I'll do it myself. You know it's bad news. Okay, you know it's bad news because they gave you charge of something to do and the fact that they are, you know what, no boss wants to do it themselves. One, If a boss will abandon their own work, you know, to come and do the task that they ask you to do, you know, um, it means that something went wrong. Now, the shepherds of Israel were supposed to return to the Lord, their sheep well kept for. And all the sick were healed, all the lost were found, all the this were that. But Jesus was so cheesed off. Jesus in heaven at this point, right? The second person of the Trinity, right? God was so cheesed off in the shepherds of Israel. He said, I myself will shepherd my sheep. I'll come down and do this thing that you can't seem to do. And then 500 plus years elapsed thereabouts. And in comes this man, Jesus. And John chapter 10, verse 11 happens. 
Jesus announces to the people all around him. He is not standing in the pasture land. In all likelihood, he's standing in the temple, he's teaching, and he's being opposed by all the, all, all the teachers of the day, by the shepherds of Israel who are still letting the people down, who are still not, not, walk, not shepherding right. And Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. And if you know your Ezekiel 34, as everybody in his company on that day will know Ezekiel 34, it will immediately connect. It will immediately link up. So, oh, oh, he's the good shepherd. And then you have to make a decision. Is this Jesus for real? Or is he not? Because the moment Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, everyone immediately remembers God said, I myself will come and shepherd the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand. So this is quite provocative because Jesus is saying this and I don't know whether he looks at the Pharisees or not, but his words are definitely cutting in that direction, right? Yeah, lamb cutlet, right? <laughs> They're definitely cutting in that direction. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, says Jesus. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. We're just going to hold on this slide because I want to just make one or two observations. If you see this expression, as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, if there is one other place in the Gospel of John where you, you see a lot of this, which chapter is it? If you know, I want you to type it out into the chat. I want you to type it out into the chat because I think, it's, I think it's helpful. If somebody knows, then you get 20 points. And if you ask me, Pastor Fergus, are these 20 points also for bragging rights only and for nothing else? I will say yes. Okay. So if you know, I know the Father, the Father knows me. Okay. This kind of language is from which chapter in the Gospel of John? No, no takers, no takers. Sure, I know there are some Bible geeks here. No takers. Uh. Five, four, three, two, one. Bam. It's John 17. It's the high priestly prayer of Jesus. It's when Jesus is in, uh, 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 it's around the, the, the timing. It's like Macham, he's at Gethsemane at the time, right? And then he is praying to the Father just before he dies, right? And this expression, I know the Father, the Father knows me, speaks about how deeply intimate that the, the relationship is, right? I know the Father. I know everything about the Father. And the Father knows me. The Father knows everything about me. Now, if you're a father, don't you wish your children could say this about you? I know my Papa. I know all about him. And you know what? Papa knows all about me as well. He knows everything about me. Now, I know as early fathers, there's so much about our kids that we don't know. And there's so much about us 
that our kids don't know. And then there needs to be a process of revelation, right? Father must reveal himself to the child, right? Child must reveal themselves actually back to the father. But the child can't reveal if the father is not safe. So the father must be safe. So the father must first start revealing, right? That's how that's how we do it. That's how we build relationship, you know? Um, and so the and so Jesus is saying that the relationship between me, the good shepherd, and my flock is as intimate as Papa knows everything about me and I know everything about Papa. That's what this slide is saying, right? I know my sheep. My sheep know me just as the Father and I know one another, right? And I lay down my life for the sheep. Okay, now we can go on to the next slide, verse 16. And I have other sheep. Somebody say other sheep. Somebody say other sheep, right? I know you, I can see you're saying it. Good job. Other sheep. There are other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock. So in the end, there won't be Jesus, um, who is CEO of this company, then Jesus also uh, CEO of another subsidiary, and another one, and another one, and another one. There will be one flock. He will gather us all, right, as one family. So there will be one flock under one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because what? Why does the Father love Jesus? Everybody, look. Why does the Father love the Son? Because I lay down my life. Wow. If you ever... Now, you're going to... I know there are clever fellas here. You're going to say, Huh, does this mean that before Jesus put your earthly ministry, that the Father didn't love the Son? Because if the reason why the father loved the son is because he would lay down his life, then before he lay down his life, huh, right? See, the thing is this, the plan for Jesus to lay down his life was there from the very beginning. It was there from the very beginning. It was never in doubt that Jesus would lay down. It's like that the second person of the Trinity, the Son, right, before it comes to earth, right? There's no Jesus name yet, right? Um, the Son would lay down his life for the sheep. This was ordained from the very beginning. And the Father has always loved this about the Son. So, this is why the Father loves me, because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. So he has authority to reverse the laying down of his life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down off my own accord. I think this is so important. It means that the papa didn't paksa him to die. Like, ah boy, go die la, go die la, you know, that wet called papa like that, right? Okay, but, but, the, but the papa says son, and the son says pa, I'll go. I'll go. Right? Right? Um, I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up. This charge I receive from my father. So I want to show you guys a few things that I see. Two main things that I see in this text today and from John 10. The, and I really want us to ask this question. Why does the good shepherd lay down his life? Why does the good shepherd die for his sheep? 
Why? Number one, because he is good. The good shepherd dies for his sheep because he is good, right? And the second point is because he owns the sheep. Now, I'm going to get into the first one now. Why does the good shepherd die for his sheep? Because he is not just shepherd. He is not just shepherd. He is good shepherd. John 10 verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. As if to say that if I say I am the good shepherd, it's quite a claim, right? It's quite a claim. It's quite a testimony of yourself. Now, if you look back on your Bible, a bit of Bible study, you look back at John chapter 8, and Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Remember when Pastor Ramesh taught this? I am the light of the world. And then, immediately, the Pharisees, they don't even sit in that, in, in that saying. They immediately tentang him and say, why you can say you are the light of the world? Why you testify about yourself, is it? Huh? You know, people cannot testify about themselves, one, you know? Yeah, it's not valid. You need someone else to speak about you, right? Immediately, there was a, and it was a two-chapter, 45-verse-long argument, you know, that ensued. And then here, the, the, the two I am's later, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and so you don't come and fight me about it. I immediately define the terms. What's the terms? So, so if you can pause and say, why? What's so good about you as a shepherd? Why you're better than anybody else? Why, why you're so good? He says, I am the good shepherd. Full stop. Definition of good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's good shepherd. Now let's continue conversation. And you're thinking, oh, so to be a good shepherd, you must lay down your life for your sheep. And if I can reimagine that conversation going down that line, the answer would be yes. The hired hand and Jesus will continue with verse 12, right? The good shepherd lays down. Why? Because the definition of good in good shepherd is the laying down of his life for the sheep that he would, that it is voluntary, that it is intentional, that it is self-sacrificial, it is not begrudging. And today, I know all of you are here because maybe you're thinking, what can I learn from the Good Shepherd to be a Good Shepherd myself? What can I learn as a leader in the church? What can I learn in terms of leading in the marketplace? What can I learn uh, uh, so that I can apply God's word better? What can I learn so that I can do something? What can I, what can I, what can I, right? Now, friends, there will be a time for that. Thank God. But before we get to that, I want you to see Jesus. I want you to be able to see Jesus in this as so good. And you know what? For the first half of this sermon, that's enough. If you can see Jesus as so good, so beautiful, and you see yourself in relation to Jesus, and you can say, thank you. Why would you love a sheep like me? Why would you care for a sheep like me? And if that's where you can go to, at least for the first half of this sermon, then you know what? It's better. 
it's better that you can see and savor Jesus that you can learn some leadership principle. Before you learn leadership principles, see and savor your Jesus. Look at him and love him. Fall for him and worship him. Be like that, be like that spouse where someone says he don't she she and he don't just love them, he worships them, man. Worships the feet they walk, the, the ground they walk on. I want to worship. I want to worship Jesus like that. Verse 15, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down myself. I lay it down myself. So this is what makes him the good shepherd, that his goodness causes him to die. So why? Now, I want to show you the, this next verse, right? The, uh, um, so, so, so broadcast, click on the next slide because I want to show you this. And are we such VIP sheep that Jesus died, died, must save us? Are we such important, indispensable sheep? Are we such, such uh, of such noble, such great, such high rank that Jesus is like, wow, if I don't die for this sheep, the whole world will go into chaos. They are so important. They are so, so, so whatever. They are so this, right? Are we VIPs? There are, them, there, are, there are several ways to answer this, okay? There will be several ways to answer this, but I'm going to answer it at its deepest level first. At its deepest level, the answer is no. No. We are not such VIPs. Well, it's a very important sheep. It should be VI sheeps. <laughs> no, we are not. We are not. We are not such celebrities that Jesus has to die for us. We are not such... Um, we're not such high-ranking that too big to fail, Jesus must die for us so that we don't die. That's, that's not how we are. And if, you, if you're not sure, you're thinking, sure or not, you know, but I thought that we were created a little lower than angels. Yes. And still fallen, right? I thought that God loves us. Yes, of course He loves us. He loves us so much. He loves us so much. But still, not because of what we have done. Wow, he loves us. But not, now, maybe it's hard for us to understand because, because you grew up in a world where, the, where your parents display love. Maybe when your parents display love, it's when they, you show that you did something. Then the display of love comes in. And you grew up thinking that, God, for you to show me that you love me, I got to do something. And so you think that if I do, do, do a lot of things, then Jesus will love, love, love me. And if I don't, don't, don't do anything, then I don't know if I have any worth. And then Jesus dies for you. And then you learn that Jesus dies for you. And then you think, wow, he died for me. Oh, yo, he died for me. What's up? I must be so important that he would die for me. Yes? No? Romans 5 has the answer. So if you could see the next slide, Romans 5 says this, that for while we were weak at the right time, Christ died for the godless people, ungodly people. 
Christ did not die for godly people, if you can almost put it that way. But at that time, the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, for one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the, 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 the letter to, to the Romans, is saying this, that, will you die for a good guy? You think twice, right? Because your own life is still very precious, right? Would you die for a super good guy? Super good guy and super important and super all that. Like the ultimate, not just a VIP like celebrity, but VIP celebrity and super noble, super good, super righteous. Would you die for them? You just might. Friends, you and I, we just might. For our spouse, we just might. Let's hope so. For our children, we just might. You have to wait for that split second decision. See, we have the courage to do it or not, right? But I like to think we would. But for, but God shows His love for us that in, in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were nobodies, He died for us. While we were filthy in our sin, He died for us. While we were wicked, he died for us. While we were fighting him and rebelling against him and, and, and going into sin and loving the sin and, and, and rejecting him and doing all of that, he said, I don't need to wait for you to become so good, so important, so righteous for me to die for you. I die for you while you're a sinner. I die for you while you're completely unlovable. I will love you. While you are completely untouchable, I'll die for you. That's what Jesus says. Isaiah 61 has an even more, if I may say, an even more crude way of saying it, right? So if you click to the next that's half, you will see this. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Wow. Our righteous acts are like filthy rags. You know you're clothed in righteousness? That's what Jesus says, I clothe you in righteousness. This is the reverse picture of being clothed in righteousness. Your righteous acts, your righteousness will clothe you in rags. And it's not just rags. It's the rag that go and wipe the edge of the toilet bowl when you're rag. I don't think anybody even wipes their toilet bowl with a rag. But let's say you took a rag and you go wipe the edge of your toilet bowl, you know, um, after uh, the really big number two, right? And, and you go wipe and then you wear it. And that's the crude way of saying that, you know what, all your best efforts, your good acts, your moralness, your righteousness, you wear that, you want to wear that, friends, you want to wear that? It's no clean. It's no clean. It's filthy rags. How then shall we be clothed in righteousness when Jesus dies for us, covers us with his own righteousness? Now, his own righteousness is the opposite of filthy rags. His own righteousness is clean, it's beautiful, it's true. It is not because we were such great sheep. It's because he is such good shepherd. Somebody say amen to that. Amen.
Amen. Let's say that one more time. Let's say that one more time. It's not because we were such great sheep. It's because he is such good shepherd. Sorry, grammar all wrong, but you get what I'm trying to say, right? It's because he is such a good shepherd. Next slide. Let's move along. Let's move along. Because of his great love for us. This is Ephesians 2. I have to show this to you, right? Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead, when we were dead, in what? In our transgressions. Because of his love for us, the love of the shepherd. It is by grace we have been saved. Amen? Amen. All right, let's move on. So the first point about why, why does the good shepherd lay down his life? Why does the good shepherd die for his sheep? Because he is good. Not because we are such good, great sheep, because he is such good shepherd, right? Number two, because he owns them. There is something about owning there is something about the thing that you own, you care for it like, like nothing else. You know, my friends, just this past week, there was a huge rain on Tuesday. Do you remember the storm on Tuesday? The storm on Tuesday was not case in my house. There was lightning going off right above the roof of my opposite neighbor. There was this pink and orange ball that... Like, like I thought it was going to, you know, I, I, I thought second coming ready, you know. Um, and, and I had this rainwater pipe that got dislodged. It broke off, right? And so water was chugging down the side of my house onto my rainwater tank for your lid. And it was pouring into, my, into my, my balcony. My balcony was filling up with water. And you know, if your balcony fills up with water, the water will flood into your living room. Okay, so I went out and I was like, gosh, this has to, we got to settle this. So I started bailing out water, like literally like, whoosh, whoosh, right? and then, and then in the meantime, trying to fix the, 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 the rainwater pipe and all that. Guys, it was chaotic. And then I was, I was texting a friend after this, right, um, and telling him about, about my experience. And I thought it was, it was fun. Okay, I admit, I was soaked to the bone. It was fun. I got the chance to do something mildly heroic for my family. So it was fun. Okay, I felt good after that. Um, um, but my friend texted me back and said, bro, that's why I don't like to buy landed and that's why I'm still renting. <laughs> Oh no, he didn't say that's why he's renting. Uh, he said, that's why I like to buy rent. Uh, 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 no, I don't like landed because there's so many things. Um, and then, but, but it made me think. It made me think that actually, uh, if you're renting a, or you bought a house, right? Okay, it makes a difference how you care for it, right? Yeah, because if it's your house, right? You can't call someone and say, uh, got leaked, you know? Somebody come and fix, this thing broken, come and this, that thing this, come and that. You can't, you can't. The only phone call you make is to your contractor to ask him to come and then you buy up. Right, if you're renting, you're paying maintenance, so the guy will do, and then they buy out. Right, so when you're renting, when it's not yours, it's a world of difference. Right, I, I may still have gone bailing out the water if this was a rented house, but I did it with a gusto and a passion um, that is not the same. 
because if the water seeps in, it goes down through the tiles, it wets the ceiling downstairs and everything. Then as a homeowner, that's bad news. And if you're a homeowner, you know you will guard your house, you know, over from rainwater like mad. Same thing for shepherds. Exactly the same thing for shepherds, even more, because the sheep are living, breathing, and even more vulnerable than your tiles in your roof, right? It's way more vulnerable. So my friends, why does the good shepherd die for his sheep? Because he owns them. I show you the text in John 10, right? We see in the next slide, I show you the text. Verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, Jesus is making it very clear. And I think there's some sideways glance. And even if there is no sideways glance, those fellas, siapa yang makan chili, dia yang rasa pedas, 100% are rasaing the pedas right now, right? The Pharisees. They don't own the sheep. Sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep, right? But I am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own know me. And if you look at the earlier verses, when he was giving the illustration of I am the gate, he says the same thing. I know my sheep, my sheep recognize my voice because they are mine. Because they are mine, they belong to the shepherd. Do you recognize the voice of, of the one who owns you? Do you recognize, church, the voice of the one who owns you? I suspect you do. I my feeling is that we all recognize the voice of the one who owns us. The more pressing question is, who owns us? Because whoever owns you, you're going to be familiar with their voice. Whoever owns you, you're going to be intimately connected and familiar with their voice. The moment they speak, you hear, you recognize you own me. I am yours. Forever yours. Right? And then you go. They call, you answer. They call, you answer. They open, you walk through. Every time it will be like that. The question is now, who owns you? And if you look at the next slide, I want to show you guys some Bible verses. No. Oh, before that, right? This, this Bible verse, Romans chapter 8. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Why? Because when the shepherd loves you, he puts you on his, on his shoulders, he carries you home. And there's numerous occasions where Jesus used that illustration that when, how many of you, right, when your sheep falls into, into, into a pit on a Sabbath day, that you won't risk breaking Sabbath without even a thought. You will go in and fish out your sheep. You know why? Because it is your sheep. And how many of you, if you are a shepherd and one sheep goes astray from the pack, that you won't leave the 99 who are safe on the hillside to go searching for that one sheep who is lost and could have fallen into a ditch, who could, who could be uh, uh, facing a wolf right now, who could be staring the jaws of death right now. How many of you shepherds won't leave your 99 who are okay on the sheep and go pursue that one sheep that is about to die? Or will you say... Um, calculated risk is too high. Let's let this one sheep go. 
You know who says that they've calculated the risk and it's too high? Let's let this one sheep go. You know who says that? Hired hands say that. Businessmen say that. Investors say that. But mothers and fathers don't say that. Mothers and fathers will go into the jaws of death to pull out the one child who is in peril. The good shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep because they are his. I'll go, I'll go to the ends of the earth for my, my, my two daughters and my son, man. I will go to the... By the way, I haven't seen my son this morning. I think he's still asleep. Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's 11, right? Mothers and fathers will go to the ends of the world to save their children. Why? Because they are yours, ours, it's mine. I don't, I don't know if I can say the same for other people's kids. I don't know if I'll say the same for what. I hope to think that as a Sungai Bulo Church family, we'll go further than we previously would have, right? But I know that if you are mum and you are dad, you will go extremely far, further than you can even imagine. Why? Because I want to show you more parts of the Bible that brings this out, that brings this out. So slide, next slide. Today, I'm, I didn't really memorize my text. So I, so, so I kind of need the next slide as a prop. So sorry. Yeah, John 17. Remember I told you about John 17? John 17, Jesus says, I've revealed you to those whom you, this is talking to the Father. I've revealed you, Father, to those whom you, Father, gave to me. The Father gave sheep to Jesus. So it's like, Papa gave sheep to Jesus. Jesus says, I will keep them well. And he kept them well. Not one of them was lost. And then he says that, I didn't just keep them well. I showed them who you are. I revealed you to them. Right? You gave them to me out of this world. You took them out of this world and gave them to me. Right? And they're yours. Now you gave them to me. Now they're mine. I will care for them. And I will care for them to the ex at the expense of my own life. Those you have given me to be with me where I am. I love this verse. Look at verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Wow. I've never seen this verse this way before. Just yesterday, I was reading it again and it popped. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. He wants you, my friends, to be with him where he is so much. But sometimes we stray and we want to walk on our own. Sometimes we go and we become like, like, like that sheep who wanders away. But First Peter 2, on the, on the right-hand side of the screen, says this, You are a chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession. You are, a pos you are owned by someone, my friends that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness. Remember, John 17 says, you gave them to me out of this world. He had to go into the world to find you. And then he took you out from the world and gave you to Jesus. And now, the First Peter 2 is saying the same thing. He called you out of darkness and brought you into wonderful, marvelous light that makes you owned. You are owned. We are all Owned. We are owned by Jesus. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. That's Colossians chapter 1, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. It's not on the slide. Right? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. 
right? You're not your own person. Sometimes we like to think that I'm my own man. I can make my own decisions for my life. Okay, yeah, okay, fine. You know what, on some level, yes, I get it. You're your own man. No, I really am my own man. I'm the captain of my ship, the master of my destiny. Yes, but you can't be a Christian. No, 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 I'm a Christian. I go to church. I go to church. Many years already, I go to church. But I'm a captain of my own ship and a master of my own destiny. No, no. That, that means you're not a Christian. It means that you are your own God. No, I'm a Christian. No, my friends, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We are own people. Jesus owns us. Because he owns us, he will die for us. Friends, I tell you, you don't want it any other way. Because if Jesus don't own you, I don't even want to imagine what it's like if Jesus don't own you. But he does. He owns you. You belong to him. You're not just your own person. Guess what? You want to be your own person? You can be your own person. You will be your own person at the best of times. And you, but unfortunately, you have to take the bad with the good. You will also be your own person, the captain of your own ship, the master of your own destiny at the worst of times. You want to be the master of your own destiny at the worst of times and don't call for help oh, because you have already made yourself the god of your own universe. There's no more, there's no, no power left to call for help from. No. We are not that kind of people. As Christians, we are owned by Jesus and we call to him like the humblest, most useless sheep crying, God help, God help. And there's no shame in that. There's no shame in that because he is the good shepherd. Amen. Let's look at the next slide. Let's look at the next slide. Now, the hired hand and we'll close. A few things about the hired hand that I've observed. Firstly, Obviously, the hired hand doesn't own the sheep. Okay, he's just there to 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 makan gaji. Now, I've been running and going out for evening walks and runs a little bit, and between my taman and the neighboring part of my taman, there is a guy and a with with with, with a you know the bupo, what do you call that thing? Yeah, the divider, right? And this guy is supposed to be a guy, okay, but. Every time I walk past him, he's on his phone. And then as I get near, he will just open the thing. And then I think he got, figured out the timing already. So he doesn't even look up. He's still on his phone and then he will lower the thing. And he's on his phone the whole way. I'm like, you don't live in Gasinghinda, do you? <laughs> yeah, because if you live in Gasinghinda, there's no way you won't look at me to see whether or not I'm walking in with nuclear arms or something like that. I think I could transport nuclear arms through this guy and I don't think he will notice because he's just looking at his phone, then he opened, then he closed, then he's still looking at his phone. That is Chari Makan, Makan Gaji fella. That's a hired hand. And I'm, I'm kind of okay that that part of the road is, is guarded by a hired hand, uh, you know, because A, you know, I, I don't think we expect our, our, our guards, security guards to be good shepherds, you know, but actually um, it, it's, it's kind of a pointless, you know, so I kind of like 
forgive this guy for finding his job a bit meaningless. But 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 it's still the picture of a hired hand, right? That that you kind of don't care. You bring the sheep out and you're just scrolling your Instagram. Hey, eat la, eat la. Okay, you all eat. Okay, all eat. Okay, and okay. I mean, you just scroll your Instagram. Okay, done, done, done. Okay, let's go. Right. Um. And here's a few things I've observed about the hired hand. The hired hand cannot handle the wolf. It means he's not the wolf. That's the good news. The hired hand is not the wolf. Okay. The wolf in this case could be someone who is gen. Genuinely malevolent and evil out there who's trying to get you. It could be COVID nineteen is a form of wolf. It could be anything that's threatening out there. That anything that can realistically threaten the life of the sheep. That's the wolf. Now the high hand is not the threat. The hired hand is the one who is supposed to protect the sheep from the threat, but doesn't. The hired hand is the one who is supposed to bring the sheep out to makan and protect them while they makan, but he only does half the job. Sorry, I'm banging my, my music stand. Yeah, he only does half the job. He can only bring them out, but he cannot make them safe. He can only. Uh, here's this brilliant thing I saw. Right, um, I'm the gate. I'm the shepherd. Remember, I'm the gate. I'm the shepherd. The sheep go in and out. When the sheep go in to the sheep pen, who keeps them safe? The gate keeps them safe. When the sheep go out, who keeps them safe? The shepherd keeps them safe. That's why Jesus says, "I am the gate of the sheep." The ones who follow after me, you come through me. You will go in and out and find pastures. You will truly live. You will have abundant life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give you abundant life. Now, my friends, when you go out to makan, the shepherd keeps you safe. When you come into Tido, the gate keeps you safe. Jesus is the gate. In the time of your rest, Jesus is your shepherd. In the time of your vocation, He is your protector when you are in and when you are out. He is the one who will guard you when you let your guard down or when you keep your guard up. Either way, Jesus is the protector. The hired hand cannot handle the wolf. It means a few more things. It means the wolf is stronger than the hired hand. Or it means that the hired hand is afraid of what he perceives the wolf to have. Either way, the hired hand cannot cope. Now, where have we seen this before? John chapter one. Darkness cannot handle. Darkness even cannot even handle darkness in this case. Darkness cannot even handle darkness, but light comes and pushes darkness back. The hired hand cannot handle. The threats. If, if by the way, high hand is also incompetent because his job is to partly protect, but he cannot protect. Or there are point number two. He's cowardly by nature. He's kiasi, right? He's kiasi. He dare not die. He dare not get hurt. He dare not face the threat. So he's cowardly by nature. The hired hand doesn't care about you. Last night, as I was as I was reviewing uh, these four points. I suddenly had this feeling, like I should say this to the single girls in Sunai Buloh. Single girls in Sunai Buloh, you want to date a guy, make sure he does not check any one of these four boxes, because the man you date and the man you want to marry one day cannot have the spirit of a hired hand, of this hired hand. Make sure you marry a man who can handle the wolf. 
Make sure you marry a man who is courageous by nature. Make sure you marry a man who cares about you. And make sure you marry a man who doesn't just care about himself. And you know this, girls. And I will say this to the guys as well, but, but, but the nuances will be different, so I won't, right? But I'm telling you guys right now that when you pick a lot of your life, and I know we've all picked Jesus, at least most of us have, when you pick Jesus as the Lord of your life, know that he can handle the wolf. He can handle far more than the wolf. The wolf will come and tear and bite and chew and stomp and howl and bark and everything, and he will tear the wolf to shreds. That's our Jesus. He will tear the wolf to shreds if he has to. That's our Jesus. He is courageous by nature. That's our Jesus. He cares about you. That's his nature. The hired hand only cares about himself. You are just a transaction for something else to the hired hand. Meaning that to the hired hand, the sheep is just an excuse for him to makan gaji. If no sheep, cannot makan gaji. So got sheep, yay, I got some sheep, I'll bring them out. But actually, the whole transaction is makan gaji. And friends, Jesus does... That's why we sing Reckless Love. I know that there are enough people who ask me, Pastor Fergus, this expression, reckless, is can we use it on God? And I will agree. Maybe in some sense not. Because God is not stupid and crazy in that sense. But when we use this expression, reckless, in this song, what it means, what it's intending to mean is that he looks after the welfare of his sheep with no regard to what happens to him. He is not calculating whether it is feasible, uh, whether he can survive the battle with the wolf. He is not, he is not wondering whether he, can, he, he should do or don't do. He puts himself in the line of death instinctively, naturally, because he loves the sheep, because he is good, because he cares for the sheep. And that's, that there's a, that there is an abandon to that. There is an abandon to that. And I want my lover to love me like that. If you have a husband, you want your husband to love you like that. That without thinking, he'll jump in the back of the car to protect you. If you have a father and a mother, you want your parents to be like that, that they will jump into the path of danger for you, just like that. And the same for my Lord. I thank God He is this kind of God. Now, I'm just going to close by saying one thing. All these words are super easy to say. It's so, see my daughter's amening right now. She just repeated, right? It's so easy to say, I will give my life for you, right? Bon Jovi also will say, I'll die for you, I'll right? Anyone can say, la. anyone can say, I'll die for you. Backstreet Boys also say they'll die for you, right? Westlife also will die for you. Everybody will die for you. Oh my gosh, my music references are so... Oh my gosh, I'm such an uncle, right? Everybody will tell... Any lover will tell you that they would die for you. The realistic ones, like the parents, will keep quiet. Because we have a sober estimation about our own courage. And yet we know that there is... 
there is something inside of us that would we actually would we're crazy enough to actually do it. But we keep quiet. It's so easy to say, but Jesus didn't just say. Jesus say and display. That's the most important thing. Now you can go anywhere and find me someone who say and display. I will say hats off to you, my brother. Hats off to you, sister. If you say I'll die for you and then you display, hats off to you. I know Jesus said it and I know Jesus displayed it. And that's why I love him back. And that's why I'm preaching this to, to rouse a fire in your heart to love him back. Amen? Amen? Let's worship. We're going to worship in a moment. But first, um, we are going to take communion today. Okay, we're going to take communion today. So I'm going to have the emblems with me in a moment. I hope that you all have your emblems with you, you know. And let us remember, so fitting that today we are preaching and talking about the Good Shepherd. Because when he lays down his life, it's him take, putting his body on the line. His blood shed for you and for me so that after he has died, you and I can have life and life eternal. If you guys have your emblems with you, can you just give a little wave? Just a little wave so I can see. Yeah. Let's pray. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, hold off on the communion. Just hold off on the communion. Because the communion is for those who have given their lives fully unto Jesus, fully owned by Jesus. And you have, if, if Jesus has not fully owned you, then we just wait. It's okay to wait. And then you can ask the person who invited you to church, tell me more about this. How can I become a Christian? How can I come into this level of relationship? I have some level, but I want this level. So my friends, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And after he had given thanks, he said this, is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me father we thank you lord god for the bread we thank you for your body that was broken we thank you that the good shepherd laid down his life laid down his body and allowed his body to be crushed so that we the sheep might live thank you lord teach us do not hear this just as another ritual or another routine, a monthly repetition. But teach us to hear this afresh. Teach us to hear this as good news. And news, something that is new and refreshing to you. So Father, we thank you, Lord. Friends, let us partake this bread together. When supper ascended, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this every time you do it, as often as you do it. Do it in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we remember you today. As we hold these cups in our hands, we remember that you spilled blood 
to give us hope. You spilled blood to give us future. You spilled blood to give us life. Your own life in exchange for ours. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let us partake of this cup. Anyone here who has not yet given their lives to Jesus, you just say this very short prayer. If you have never given your life to Jesus, repeat after me. And the rest of the church can repeat as well. Yeah, it's just to renew our vow with Jesus. Lord Jesus, say, Lord Jesus, today I hear about how much you love me. I want to be yours. I want to be all yours and wholly yours. Today, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior, my good shepherd who will lay down his life for me. In Jesus' name, amen.